All right, I'm getting my stuff out, and as you can see, I've got this. A little wad of cash, huh? You getting excited? Maybe there's some sort of prize happening. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, all right, today, hey, we are continuing our series uh, called The Journey of Generosity. Um, and it really is us thinking about what does this look like for us to be moving along on a journey that, that takes us towards not just, it's not just about giving, it's not just about being sort of obedient or faithful, but really to a life that is generous in how it is lived. Now, so last week we had uh, Bob Shank, and he had this great message for us, really kind of outlining what this path looks like of a life that God desires for us. And so we see that it really begins with salvation. And we know that, we get that. We start with salvation. So you probably have this moment in your life where you had this conversion experience where you said, Lord, I believe that you are God. I need you. I trust in you for my salvation. And if you haven't, we'd love to pray with you, talk with you about that even after at the prayer points, because that's the beginning. That's what it's all about, right? But if that's where we stop, we are definitely not growing. We are just stagnant. There's so much more that, that God has for you than just a point of salvation. That's the beginning. And so we grow. We grow through discipleship. Discipleship, being a disciple is a follower of someone or something, right? So a disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. And so we are trying to grow as followers of Jesus. And so we have people who are maybe a little farther along down the road than us helping us to be that follower, to grow as followers. And so maybe we're in a life group, and that's helping us to become better followers of Jesus. Hopefully listening to sermons like this is helping you to become a better follower of Jesus, and you're growing. And then we approach this point where we come to a point in our life where we surrender to sacrifice. That we're saying, my life with you, Jesus, is not just Jesus as Savior— but it's also Jesus as Lord, that he is the Lord of our life, that we are his servants. And so we will live all of our life in that way in submission to him. And it is this surrender to sacrifice. And we serve him through stewardship. We serve him with stewardship, serving him by being good stewards of what he's entrusted to us. And at the end, we are recognized at the judgment seat with reward. And so there's this kind of a little picture of that path from salvation, growing through discipleship, coming to this point, though, of another decision, not just of salvation, but of sacrifice. And so what I want to hone in on today is a little bit, not just that, so we have that whole path, but let's hone in on this surrender to sacrifice, okay? That what does that look like in our lives? What does that then life of generosity look like for us, okay? So what is it? Now, I think like a, a really good sort of uh, central passage of Scripture for us can be this that we think through, okay? Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy— so we've already experienced God's mercy. We've experienced His salvation, His grace upon us, okay? In view of God's mercy now, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice— holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, or this is your spiritual act or spiritual service of worship, some translations will say. And so our bodies, our lives are this, 
this sacrifice, normally a sacrifice is killed. That's kind of the point when you think of the animal sacrifice. We are now a living sacrifice. Now it needs to be exactly that, sacrifice. Sacrifice doesn't mean kind of like, well, you know, a little bit or something, right? Sacrifice, when you think of Old Testament style, like that is actual full commitment. That's as full as it gets, all the way to the point of death. And so for us considering then, what does a life of sacrifice really look like? Now, just some thoughts. One is, a life of sacrifice is not a sprint. It's a long-distance race that's almost more like a long-distance high-hurdle race. Because there's constantly obstacles coming our way when we're thinking about a life of sacrifice. And, and the enemy doesn't give up in trying to stop us in that. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I want you to start thinking right now. What are these obstacles for you when it comes to a life of sacrifice? What's getting in the way of that? Sacrifice starts, it starts with this thing of God saying, okay, here's this land I've given you. Like he gives this land to the people of Israel. Now, it starts with me working the land that God has given me. What is he entrusted to you? Then when God, what, what, like the yield of that land, we give a tithe. We give a 10%. That's kind of this beginning point. We give that to him. And then what we expect is, as we serve God, as we work the land, as we give, that God will continue to bless us. God will continue to give to us. And then here's like this point where everything can either go really well or it can go really wrong, okay? That there's this expectation of God blessing us and giving us more. Because there's something that we would maybe call the prosperity gospel or the health wealth gospel. That that is a message that speaks that if you work the land that God has given you, you're a good steward of what God has given you, and God blesses you with more— That is so that you can have more, (laughs) okay? That is so that you can just be comfortable and enjoy all of that. And if you give, God's going to give to you so you can have more. Now, the difference, what I think is really what the scriptures are getting at for us in this, is that we do, we work the land, we give, God blesses us. And he blesses us so that then we can put that, as he fills our barns again, we put that back into circulation for the kingdom of God. We put that back into the work of God to see the furtherance of the gospel, to see God's kingdom grow. And then God, and we have to trust in God to fill our barns again, not to build bigger barns so that we can get richer and richer and richer, but we put it back into the work so that God's kingdom grows. That's how this works. But that's why it gets twisted by a gospel that says, no, 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 give and be blessed so you can have more. That's not what we're talking about, okay? We, when we think about surrendering to sacrifice and what that looks like, it's that classic song, I Surrender All, right? I Surrender All, we sing it. We sort of aspirationally sing this song. We, we hope for the best as we sing these words because I'm not sure if any of us actually surrender all. But what we start at, we start at this point of I Surrender None. And then as we are growing through discipleship, we grow to I surrender some, you know? And then as we continue to grow, we are growing towards I surrender all. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time 
and you're still singing I surrender none or I surrender just a tiny bit because most of it's for me, God, that's when we've got like the whole Houston, we have a problem sort of moment, okay? Because that's where we haven't then grown through discipleship. We've been stunted in our growth in some way, or we haven't made that transition from just having salvation and Jesus as Savior to Jesus as Lord and a surrender to sacrifice. Are you, are you with me on this, Okay. With me? All right. All right. So now as we move along with that, it's kind of like with what Bob Shank said last week is that faithfulness and generosity aren't the same thing. Okay. Just kind of just simple obedience to the bare minimums is faithfulness, right? Generosity is living a life beyond that. Generosity isn't just about even writing a check at church or something, but generosity is about a life that is lived in this way that wants to share with others, that wants to see the good of others beyond my own and really wants to see the kingdom grow. I want you to check out this little short video that's actually just uh, almost, it's almost like a trailer. It's a summary of a longer video that I'd want you to go look at at gospelpatrons.org. It's on the back of your outline where you can find it, but check this out here. I'm Edward Foster. I'm a doctor. In truth, I never had that much interest in medicine. I had the grades and mum and dad really encouraged me to go for it. And everyone says, don't do medicine because your parents tell you to do it. I was that person. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think my parents wanted me to have a good living so I could have a nice middle-class life and be able to buy nice things and have nice holidays and be secure and comfortable. I didn't want that. No, I've never wanted that. I wanted to go and be a missionary myself, but actually what the unreached need is my financial empowerment to support indigenous workers. India motivates my work as a doctor. The other day, um, I was offered to do a um, shift, and they said, yeah, we can pay you £50 an hour. So I said, well, that means if, if I do 12 hours, that's £600. In a night, I've just paid for a missionary for a year. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. They say medicine is an amazing thing because you have the chance to save lives. But the truth is, doctors don't save any lives. All of our patients still die. All we're doing on our best days is postponing the inevitable, is putting death off. But the gospel really can save lives. So the same reason that people think medicine's amazing, they should be even more excited about the gospel. Because that can save someone's life forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, and like... This guy, you can watch the whole thing. I mean, he just simplified his life down to the bare minimum of expense, added all these shifts that he could possibly do so that he could get more. And he's just focusing on his money to see how many missionaries that he could support in India. And so that's how he just lived this life of generosity. And I hope that you can kind of see that's the difference between kind of like the bare minimum obedience of faithfulness towards where generosity that can lead us. And I think that... That's what sacrifice is. It just depends on what you want. Do you want a life that sort of sits safe on the couch? Or do you want a life that is about so much more? Do you want a life that's just going to say, you know, at the end, you know, you wicked, lazy servant, depart from me. I, I never knew you. Or do you want to hear those words, well done, 
good and faithful servants, right? We want that life, the life that will hear those words, the life that is blessed, the life that is rich, the life that is filled with so much more and to be able to further the kingdom of God with all that we do. I believe that we want more, but the thing is, is that more takes sacrifice. Now, I, I know I've been doing this maybe a little too much lately, but I'm comparing it to this thing that I've been spending a lot of my time on lately, and it's training for this half Ironman I'm doing in two weeks. Now, it's two weeks, so it's like very fresh in my mind, maybe in fear. But uh, all of that is that if I, I want to do this thing of a half Ironman, which is 1.2-mile swim, a 56-mile bike ride, and a half marathon, a 13-mile run, right? If I want to be able to do that, I can't just show up on the day, right? I can't just show up on the day and do the thing. Like, I can't just expect to not have to have any sense of sacrifice. No, it takes great sacrifice. It actually takes sacrifice of money and spending money on stuff and all the things and entry fees that go into it. It takes a huge sacrifice of time. It sacrifices sleeping in. It means getting up at 4.30 most my days of the week and getting out there in sweat and pain and toil. And it means like less sleeping in and less surfing on the weekend. It it means really getting after it for this to be able to achieve that. And so it just depends, what do you want? I wanted to get across the finish line in two weeks for that. So you have to sacrifice now. Do we want the well done, good and faithful servant? That takes the sacrifice now. You don't just walk up and climb Mount Everest. That's just not how it works. Now we don't earn our salvation I already said it began with salvation. That is something that is not earned. But a lot of times because we preach this thing that you can't earn earn your salvation, we think, well, then I don't have to do any work ever, right? No, that is not what it's about. We have a decision to make towards sacrifice and then to live it out. So maybe a long time ago, you made a commitment around Romans 12.1 that was saying, I want my life to be a living sacrifice, Maybe last week, as Bob spoke, you were inspired. I want to live this kind of generous life, a life that is surrendered to sacrifice. Well, the thing is, is now then there are new ground rules, okay? If that's where you're at, if Jesus is Lord and not just Savior, there's some new ground rules. The rich young ruler, this guy comes up to Jesus. He wants to follow Jesus. He's like, I'm following all the rules. I'm doing what's right. What else do I got to do? And Jesus looks at him and says, sell all you have, you know, and follow me. Because for him, that's what Jesus was calling him to. And the guy walked away sad because he owned much property, right? There was a new challenge. If he wanted that, that life that is, is advancing, right? If he wanted that, there was more to it. There was more sacrifice. But for him... It was this that held him back, right? And so I want you to think about what hinders your ability, my ability, our ability to surrender to sacrifice. And the thing is, most of the time, it's about this thing, money, okay? I'm going to get to this judge's passage in a moment, but Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and wealth, You can't serve God and wealth. There's another passage that says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You can't serve wealth 
and God. All right? Hear that. It doesn't mean you can't be wealthy or you can't have money, but you can't serve money and you can't love money because it just it becomes idolatry. Okay? Because idolatry is anything we place higher than God. Anything we place higher than God becomes an idol for us. So let's talk about idols for a minute here. Okay? The Old Testament, you have the Old Testament filled with people like this, the, the surrounding nations would have these gods of Baal and Asherah were a couple of the primary ones. There's others as well. And it's filled with these altars to Baal. And then that would kind of come into the people of Israel and they begin to worship these false gods of Baal and Asherah who are these gods of, of power and fertility and provision. These gods that they would worship to, to get what they needed to survive they thought came from these gods. Now then in the New Testament we move into where the New Testament warns us of this weird word mammon, like you can't serve God and mammon, okay, or money. So there's this new idol for them of money. You can't do that. So Jesus talks about this a little bit, again, in this Matthew 6. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? Where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. And then a couple verses later is when he says this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and wealth. You cannot serve them, okay? You will hate one. If you serve money, you will hate God, he's saying, okay? Now, so we have to then figure out what are our sort of gods today, right? Our little G gods, these idols, these counterfeits. And I think it's pretty similar to that, that uh, New Testament style where you have money, you have the inauthentic counterfeits to God of ways that we try to seek our power or our provision or our fertility or our control, whatever that in the same way that people have for millennia that we look though to money to help us to do that because we think really in our day we can do that ourselves if we can just pay for it, right? We can take care of ourselves. We can be our own gods. Now, that, that passage in Judges, that's that section Judges 6, is a passage of scripture on the story of a guy named Gideon. Now, we know that Gideon becomes this hero of Israel that helps deliver the people of Israel from being oppressed and just destroyed and defeated by the Midianites, right? And so what's going on is, is they're in that period of just being just consistently attacked and destroyed by their enemies. And now Gideon ends up being this hero that saves them. This angel Lord appears to him and is like, hey, I, you are a mighty warrior. You know, I've called you to do this. And Gideon's like, I'm the weakest of the weak. I am nothing. How can you use me? But it's God sees him as this mighty warrior. Now, what's the first thing that Gideon has to do before they end up having this great victory? It's not him reducing his troops. Okay, that's something he ends up doing is that God has him reduce his troops from thousands down to just a few hundred. Okay, before that... Gideon actually has to go in and he has to go into his hometown and tear down 
the altar to Baal and the Asherah pole, this pole that they would use to worship this false god of Asherah. And he says the, these, these altars that his father had allowed. So he goes in and tears down these altars to these idols before he can do any of the stuff that he does. That's the first step. And so in that same way for us, that first step for us is to tear down the idols that we serve. And money is this huge idol that we serve. So today, let's practice this. Let's tear down our idols, okay? (laughs) All right. We got the money. If money is the idol, if we can't serve God and we can't serve money, let's, uh, let's get rid of it. Why not? Oh, it doesn't want to. <laughs> See, the enemy will try to stop us, but we shred the money, right? We shred it. I don't care if it's illegal to shred it. Who do I serve? Do I serve our government or do I serve God? Come on. Shred the money. We keep taking these and we just drop them in. Because I don't want to serve this. You might think, I got this stack of 20s. Am I just going to shred it all? Sure, why not? I don't know. How many can it hold? Well, we'll see. No, but I don't know how that hits you. You might think, wow, he's been a really bad steward of that money. It's true. But only the top one was real. (laughs) Uh, But... So don't worry, I'm not a bad steward of the money. But I don't know if there's just this like visceral reaction you even have when you're like, oh gosh, what's he doing? Ah, no, that's money. Money is the precious one. My precious, right? You know, you think like, don't shred the money because that's what it becomes for us. Yeah, make sure I remember that real one. It doesn't get, yeah. <laughs> My precious. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, it's like we, but we do need to tear down that that idol that money is for us. Money is, this loving it is this root of all sorts of evil in our world. And we know that. We see it. Here's some ways to think about if money is an idol for you. Like, how can you tell? We desire it more than God. We desire money more than closeness to God or serving God. If money controls how we make decisions rather than God or his word. If we begin to see people as a resource or a means rather than an end in themselves. Maybe money is our idol. If we are unhappy when we see others succeed, maybe money is an idol. If we're never satisfied or content with what we have, maybe money has become an idol. If we have that destination disease that sort of thinks like, I'll be happy when I get there, or if I get that, or if I have this much, then I'll be happy. That's destination disease. That, that's a, a sign that maybe money is an idol. Or if money or worry about money consumes our thoughts, maybe money is an idol. And these idols can creep in. They creep in through commercials. They, three, they creep in through comparisons. They creep in through the cars of our coworkers. <laughs> you know, if we find ourselves coping by buying and spending, maybe that's creeping in. 
We think, I can't be generous. I can't live this kind of life that is generous because I won't be able to then send my kid to that school and that's my identity or I won't be able to wear those clothes or drive that car or to be able to go to those shows or eat this food at these restaurants or whatever it might be. You're having enough money for retirement. We think through, like, I can't be generous because I have to, I have to store it all up in my barn and I got to build a bigger barn to be safe and secure and comfortable. That's when we start to realize, okay, maybe this is becoming an idol for us. Now, the thing is, is that idols like money are often symptoms of a deeper idol, okay? That is something actually like power or control, approval, comfort, security, that kind of thing. There's a quote by this pastor, Tim Keller, that says this, each deep idol power, approval, comfort, or control generates a different set of fears and hopes. There's, he says there's surface idols. There are things like money, our spouse, children, through which our deep idols seek fulfillment. We're often superficial in the analysis of our idols. For example, money can be a surface idol that serves to satisfy a more foundational influence. Some people want lots of money as a way to control their world and life. And those people usually don't spend much money and they live very modestly. So you see someone that doesn't spend a lot and lives modestly can still have money as an idol. They keep it all safely saved and invested so they can feel completely safe in the world. Others want money for access to social circles to make themselves beautiful and attractive. These people do spend their money on themselves in lavish ways. Other people want money because it gives them so much power over others. In every case, money functions as an idol. And yet because of various deep idols, it results in very different patterns of behavior. So we can see a love of money coming out in different ways. It could be overly safe or it can be overly lavish, whatever that is. But how can we then take steps now to surrender to sacrifice? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Acts of generosity, acts of generosity are a way of proactively tearing down our idols, okay? Not just waiting and reacting or responding when a temptation comes or when that attack comes or whatever that is for us, but generosity, sharing, giving, serving, all sorts of different ways that we can live that out. That is a way of proactively saying, I tear down that idol of control or that idol of security or that idol of money, and then giving, when we give, that is this act of worship. That's one of our acts of worship. We think of singing or hearing a sermon or serving, or if we think of this as, then as giving is this act of worship or participating in communion. But giving is the act of worship that realigns our hearts to God's heart the most. We talk about, okay, worship through singing, especially as, as we worship through singing, we realign our hearts to God's heart. So as we even sang that song today, all hail King Jesus, all hail the Lord of heaven and earth. That's, that's good. That helps us to kind of realign in the sense of, okay, God, you are the ruler, the Lord. You are more than just savior to me. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. You are the king. So all hail you. And that feels good to sing that. But you can sing that and have nothing changed in your life. But you take 
you know, your phone out most likely and do some sort of, you know, direct deposit giving (laughs) or however you text to give or whatever. When we give, that shows that he is the Lord, that he is our king. That acts it out. That is an action step when it comes to saying he is our king. You see what I'm saying with that? That giving realigns our heart to God's heart. So I'm not just talking about giving to church, but I am also talking about giving to church. Okay, it's not just that, but it also is that. And so for me, it starts with that. I mean, you can like just share a little of what I try to do and you can and think about that for, for you. What is a, a life of generosity? So it starts with giving to church, right? And that's, that's where we begin. And then it's things like I, I start with that general and then I go to missions or ENF. Now, like my emergency needs fund offering is more probably responsive rather than proactive, whereas my general ties and offerings are more um, planned out ahead of time, proactive, right? Now, so then we give to that. I try to give to my kids' schools here, Calvary Christian School or Orange Lutheran, where they go and, you know, you go to the fundraiser thing and we give and we're generous and we try to do that. We give to uh, a couple missionaries just independently, okay, of our giving here. And we support them and we support um, missions agencies as well. Um, and then I serve on the board of the Greater Europe Missions Agency because I'd gotten more involved and been generous to them and then was asked to be part of that. And so I serve with my time as more of that. Try to support a couple local nonprofits that I, that I really love and believe in that are actually even connected here at Calvary. And so doing that, that's like a way of being generous. You could take in someone who needs a place to stay, where we've done that in our house at times, where someone has needed a place to stay and we took them in. And I know a lot of you do that as well. We try to support, we don't personally, like we have not adopted or served as foster parents, but we try to support our friends that do that, you know? And so maybe that's a way that you can support others or you can do that and live that out yourself. You can just buy dinner for a friend and be the one that pays and be the one that offers and be that generous person in that way. You know, you can ask the homeless person outside of Walgreens, what they would want while you're in there. That's what we try to do for Kenneth and Tustin, this guy that's pretty rough around the edges. But we ask him, and my wife's this amazing example of this, but just hey, every time, we just, again, recently, and it was like he wanted, uh, like he wanted dibs ice cream. So we got him some dibs, you know? <laughs> it's cool. Like that, it doesn't have to always be about giving someone these basic sort of foundational needs that they have, but to bless them with, with something good. And to serve in ministries here and outside the church. And then I try to like, do things like, okay, I'll dedicate my races to up and running again, this awesome local ministry that, that helps um, people who are homeless living in rescue missions to go run a half marathon. And it teaches this sort of like goal achievement and healthy living and to be able to make a plan and do it, right? They're actually, these folks from Orange County Rescue Mission, Long Beach Rescue Mission are running the Long Beach half marathon right now. Like they did it probably already, they probably just are just finishing or close to it. And it's so awesome. So I try to do that. You know, these are just ways that we can begin to live generously. So what does that look like for you in your life? Because the backbone, though, the heart of this is trust. 
Our faith has to have a trust in God. A trust in God that he has a plan in that sense for our lives that is good. Uh, uh, that we trust that he's saying, this is the way I have for you. If you're, you're calling your career for money, for ministry, for marriage, your life. Like, it's all about trusting in him. And do you trust that God's plan for you is good? That he has your good in mind, but really his ultimate good. The kingdom's ultimate good in mind. And every time we give, we tear down an idol. Every time we share with someone, we kill an enemy to God's best for us. So I want to challenge you today to surrender to a life of sacrifice. But that probably will take some repentance, is my guess, for most of us. Because money is a big-time idol for us. And we need to be able to tear those down and examine ourselves and say, Lord, what are the gods I have built up above you? How is money an idol in my life? Lord, what would you have me do to tear down these idols? So I ask you to process through that today. I ask you to process through that now as we come forward and come to the stations to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, that Jesus lived out sacrifice, ultimate sacrifice for us by giving up of his body and shedding his blood and dying on the cross for us. So when we come and we take communion, we remember that sacrifice. And I'd love for you to come to the prayer points to receive prayer. If you'd like to begin with salvation or if you want to pray to say, Lord, I want to surrender to this life of sacrifice. I know that you have something more for me and I want to be part of that, God. So I ask you today to consider what are the idols you've built up? How does God want you to respond in that? To live a life of generosity. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you today as people who are sinners, Lord, who are, are frail and weak when it comes to the temptations in our lives. And Lord, we know that money is this this great temptation. Whether it's to help us look good, whether it's to give us power, whether it's to give us security. God, I pray that we would find our security and power in you, God. Our approval, our identity in you, God. I pray that you would, through your Spirit's power, help us to tear down those idols in our life where we are trusting in money and in ourselves far beyond how we're trusting in you, Lord. And Lord, then I pray that as we give and as we're, maybe even as we're scared, God, to give, that you would give us a spirit-led boldness. And Lord, thank you for the gift of the relief of the stress when we do give to you. God, we love you. Thank you for your sacrifice. And I pray that we would just be a people of generosity in our community, that we would shine in our community because how people see us love richly. In Jesus' name, amen.